Welcome to the Page 2 Podcast. This week, we're getting artsy. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Page 2 Podcast, where we get to dive into issues around faith, culture, and life. And this week is going to be a lot more around culture and how our faith can intersect uh, things that happen in culture and, and really things that are created in culture. Uh, because we're going to talk about art, which is a really big subject, but I'm really glad because we have a really big expert in this. <laughs> I'm sure that's how he would word himself on that. You know, uh, We are welcoming in uh, my co-host, but also uh, he's more than that, uh, Greg Holmes. Uh, because Greg Holmes has uh, is not only a pastor and has served in pastoral ministry for over 20 years, uh, he's also an artist. Uh, he uh, currently uh, maintains a art studio that he uh, creates art in in his home in Allen. Uh, he also serves on the board of directors of SIVA, which is Christians in the Visual Arts, that supports artists and art institutions as they uh, think creatively uh, about how to express their faith uh, through the creative arts. Uh, he served as uh, even at one role here at the church was the arts pastor uh, for a while. Uh, and so I just couldn't think of a better person to bring in uh, to help us think through uh, how we can, how Christians can interact with the arts and, and what that looks like. So welcome to your yeah, own podcast, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to my own podcast. That's right. Greg, it's uh, it's just really cool. Uh, we started this, uh, we thought about this topic because I, I kind of went to you one day and I said, Hey, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to like art, <laughs> and, yeah. I, and and I do. I think it's great, and yet um, I sometimes feel like uh, maybe I'm a little like I'm that I don't know what I'm doing if I walk into like a museum right. or um, it's almost like I'll sit there and kind of stare and nod my head and be like, yeah. yeah, I'm supposed to appreciate this, but I'm not sure if I actually am or not. And so yeah. we talked about, man, it'd be fun to actually do a podcast just about the art, sure, and what that looks yeah. like. So I'd love to. Maybe even just say hey, with a topic as big as art and as complex as it, like where do we even start? Like how do we even start thinking about this? Yeah, it's pretty daunting to think in the you know forty five fifty minutes we want to say that we want to use for this podcast that we want to tackle something this big. Um, I think for me as as a Christian, the probably the best place to start when we talk about art um, is to ask the question, do we have any indication in the Bible that God even cares about art hmm. um, or that God cares about artistic expression? And when you ask that question, the answer is a resounding yes. Um, and so I think that there's there's sometimes fear that Christians have or intimidation about the arts or maybe because it's powerful or it's emotive or it's, it, it kind of touches our emotions that it's a little bit scary or it's culture shaping. Therefore, huh. it's scary and we kind of put it aside. Uh, but God doesn't do that. And so there are there's so many examples in the Bible from. You know, d d the fact that there's poetry all over our Bible, yeah. the fact that the, our biggest book in the Bible is a book of songs, you know, uh, there's even examples like in Exodus 31 of uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, these guys that, you know, these, these, um, you know, th that's a trivial pursuit question, you know, like <laughs> that, in, I, your pronunciation but, was impressive. Thank you. By thank the way, you. Too. But yeah. um, so these guys that God specifically says, I have equipped these men hmm. to do um um, beautiful things in wood and in, in gold and in silver, and I've equipped all of the workers. You know, as, as they're as they're um, creating the tabernacle, um, 
that God cares about that. And even even passages like uh, Romans one twenty, um, where it says, where Paul says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, seen being understood from what has been made. We, I, I think it's fair to say that God is is communicating through his through creativity and through beauty and through and he's not putting a verse on every tree. Yeah. You know, or on every like he's communicating through his sculpture, through his, you know, and he's communicating something about himself and and so you can um ask the question when you're looking at a at something beautiful, when you're looking at a you know, you're laying back and looking at the stars, what is what is God communicating through this? And it's like it um it can't be reduced to a few little bullet points. You know, he's communicating something really big and he's and he's using um beauty and you know like that type of stuff and so it's not something that that scares god uh, but it is something that is very very powerful and i think that that's a good place for christians to start that we don't have to start with um a posture of antagonism or fear that we can just sort of jump in and say what you know what what do i need to learn you know yeah it's interesting because there's a uh there was a quote that we used at the beginning of established uh from john muir uh who talked about just the the uh the trees preaching a sermon uh, that goes straight to his heart, which right. talks about you know general revelation of you know meaning when we we can see God's fingerprints throughout all right. of creation. But it's even funny when we use the word creation that it it you know we're acknowledging God as an artist, which right. then as says, a creator, yeah. And so if we're made in His image, then we are we are creative and we are meant to be uh, creators of things. Yeah. And and art is is really an expression of that. You're right. kind of channeling. Uh, what God is doing through that. So that, yeah, that's really powerful. Um, so to get to my, you know, even our, that initial question yeah. that I used to set up the the podcast, it was, you know, hey, help me. And I, and I was trying to even represent our listeners here because I think most of our listeners, they probably like, yeah, I like art. Um, and we may have a few artists that are listening. Yeah. And that's great. Um, but I think many of us would say we appreciate it, but we're not even sure how to appreciate it, right. you know, and if, yeah. uh, and, and maybe we feel a little bit like a poser when we yeah. walk into, uh, you know, a place where we're like, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I want to, to know this and know I'm, what I'm looking at. And so maybe, maybe the place to start with the, the museum experience is how, how do I recognize what is good art and, and, and versus bad art? Yeah. Like how, how would I know when something should be appreciated more yeah. uh, than other things? Cause sometimes I'm like, I see some stuff. I'm like, I'm not even sure that is art. So yeah. help, help me understand that. A well, little that bit. is a humongous question. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Thanks <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, sometimes you yeah you go into a museum and you're like you know you see a, a stripe of color on a canvas yeah. and it's like well, how is that you know what what is going on here and you feel like you're you're being punked a little bit or something like that. And the first thought is like I could do that, yeah, which I probably I could, could not. Well, but, you know, it is it is that is kind of as an aside that it, um, that's an interesting experiment when you try to do um, when you try to replicate sometime abstract art and yeah. you realize just how difficult it really wow. is. It yeah. looks easy, but it is it is quite difficult. Um, most of, most of the time when you're, um, but, but anyway, that's a different question. So that, that I think that you have several questions that okay. you're addressing there. One is, you know, what is art? What is good art? And that kind of stuff. And I think the, um, it's, so I'm going to, I'm going to not answer some of those questions, okay. um, and then talk about some of the others. But I think that, um, what, what, what makes good art or what makes art great 
depends a lot on the artistic tradition that it was created in and the culture that it was created in, and the criteria for greatness changes. Huh. And that's sort of important to know as you go into an art museum. Um, that sometimes, and in some traditions, and at some you know um, um, times during um, art history, sometimes the criteria is an objective one. You know, so does this art reach or surpass an objective standard for greatness? So in that maybe artistic tradition, it could be that um, the greatness has to do with uh, like realism and how realistic is this painting? How mm-hmm. much does it represent? And that's an objective standard. Yeah. And this art, you know, this painting does it better than this painting does, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, other times, uh, art uh, that is Great is considered great because it is popular or com- popular or commercially successful, you know, that, well, everybody loves it. Therefore, we need to notice it, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes art is considered great because a great artist made it, which is kind of tricky, yeah, you know. Chicken and the egg. Yeah, well, like once once an artist gets to a certain point in their career um, and, and reaches a certain uh, level of, of – um, excellence and um, acceptance among the artistic community and all this kind of stuff, they do sort of become front runners to where they can. I, I think that Picasso was this way a little bit, at least in my mind, towards the end of his career, that he could kind of do whatever he wanted, mm. you know, and not that he was punking people or, you know, or, or that, that kind of stuff. But he was he was out there and people were seeing, you know, that th- this guy is is shaping the future of art and, you know, like that kind of stuff. And so it was, so he could, you know, there are stories of, well, I don't know if these stories are true or not of him, you know, like paying for a restaurant bill with a sketch on the back of a napkin and turning it in, you know what I mean? And that restaurant owner has no appreciation of art, you know what I mean? But it's like, well, Picasso made it. Yes. Therefore it's great. And, 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 you know, if, if that story is true, um, and that, you know, if it was passed down or whatever, you could auction it off and it'd be worth something. Yeah. Not necessarily because it reached an, an objective standard or because, you know, whatever, but because of who made it, yeah. you know. Um, the, the other standard and what we see, what we see most often is that is that art is considered great because the gatekeepers said so. Um, and there are there are people there are there are curators there's collectors there's mu- museum owners you know um, and sometimes we can look at that and think of this sort of artistic el- elite that are completely um, maybe out of touch or whatever that are sort of the kingmakers that are um, they're saying this is good art and this isn't or whatever but those people really are important and they play yeah. a role because they you know those are the people that have dedicated their lives to understanding. The, the the flow of, of art and how one thing is, is affecting the other and the philosophy behind it and, and, and that kind of thing. And so what we're going to talk about here in just a minute on, on some of like some of the things that contemporary artists are doing, it takes a lot of work, you know. Um, and so those people are important and they play they play an important role. But when you walk into a gallery, you might have or you walk into a museum, you might have in one room art that is considered great because it met an objective standard you have art in another room considered great because the the, the cultural elite of the time said so mm-hmm. you have and you know what i mean yes. and so you, with without some type of appreciation of the of the era in which that art was made and why it was made and how it was received you know like it's not just and sometimes it's a little unfair when you when you walk into a museum and you see this painting hanging on a white wall you know, completely taken out of its cultural context, yeah. you know, and you have to sort of enter in and you know, all you have is a, is a paragraph next to the painting to try and understand what it is. Um, 
And it can be a little bit intimidating, yeah. you know, to, to completely understand what there, there was a lot of backstory that got that painting on that wall, you know, in that museum. And so. Well, and it's funny. I mean, even as we're talking about a museum with visual, uh, you know, works of art, it's like what you were saying rings true with with books. Like, let's say someone wants to get, you know, a book published or what makes a great novel. And you're like, well, there are. Um, there are some objective standards of what is a good story, uh, right. but there are also um, there are also some standards of each time. And then you think of it like there are uh, there are groups of people who are the gatekeepers, uh, you know, that's changing in this world. But there is uh, you know publishers today right. of like yeah. they are deciding what is a good book or what is not a good book. Or you think about movies, the same kind of thing of like well. There are certain studios that make decisions, and sometimes it's ba- because this is an amazing uh, film, and other right. times it was, well, this was who the dis- the studios decided for you what would be an right. amazing film, and they get out there. So it's funny how, and I bet for a listener, if you're not necessarily a visual artist or a, uh, I'm not sure, like a fine yeah. art kind yeah. of per- creator, yeah. that there are still some realm of this where you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably true in my yeah. world, whether, you know, of trying to get recognized or something that is considered great or not, that there are some objective standards, but there's also some incredible subjectivity to right. it, you know, based yeah. on what other people think. Right, right. You know, I think the the that is what trying to determine what the criteria is for great art is an is an easier question to answer than what is art at all. Yeah. You know, um, and that one, even people who are much, much smarter than me that, you know, live in this world, whenever I see people trying to answer that question, I think they end up looking kind of foolish. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is just extraordinarily difficult to answer um, on what what is art, you know, and I think it's easier to or maybe more helpful to to ask the question, what is it that good artists sometimes do well? Huh. You know, how to, when, when art, when art goes well, um, what, what is it that they do? And I think the first thing that I would mention is that they, that a good artist, when they, when they create great art, they convey truth that is both complex and inescapable. And I think that complex and inescapable are the, are the, are the important words. And when I say complex, um, I don't mean complex like an engineering textbook is complex. Yeah. It, you know, it's, they, they convey something that is sort of multi-layered um, and not easily sort of defined. And I would go back to, you know, God's art and creation. You know, like if, if it can be conveyed in three little bullet points, um, it's probably not great art. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's yeah. multi-layered. It's important, you know, yeah. Flannery O'Connor um, Author Flannery O'Connor would 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 be asked about the meaning of her stories, and her stories were really kind of cryptic and stuff like that. And her response was, "If I could tell you the meaning, I wouldn't have had to write the story." Huh. You know that the that part of the the only way to convey the com the complexity of what she was wrestling with was through story, was through art, and she couldn't just sort of bullet point it out. Um, and so, art is complex communication and. Um, if it if if there is a clear well the moral is dot 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 or the explanation is then you probably didn't need the art in the first place do you know what I mean and so so when you when you're talking about what's good art and stuff like that and I I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus taught in parables yeah um, is that why you know not to step on a landline yeah. but is that why sometimes quote unquote Christian art can run into a problem right in a sense where it is kind of very clearly trying to it's telling you a truth but it's not it's maybe lacking that multi-layer Correct. quality that you're talking about so among artists among christian artists uh, that 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 is the the knock on christian art or christian movies or whatever that it's not 
it's not nuanced enough to feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not honest. It's not, you know, like those types of things. It, it, it kind of veers a little more towards the propaganda side um, to where you use sort of artistic forms in order to say, and the moral of the story is, you know, dot, Because it dot. wants you to wind up in a very specific right. place, whereas that's not always what a good story will do. It's almost like a good story gives you some freedom in right. how that applies. Um, and it's not a problem to have a message. It's just that 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 may not be – that's where I do think of – Right. Propaganda sounds harsh to me, yeah, but, there's a part, but there's a part where it's it's – True in the sense where if you're trying to actually tell a, like a fable that has a moral to the story, there was a very clear thing that you're trying to convey. Right. Um, and what I hear you saying is that, hey, the best art sometimes it guides you, but it maybe does not. It does not necessarily demand something right. of you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's right. And I think when you look at Jesus and telling his parables, um, I mean, you could hear some propositional statements about God's unconditional love toward toward everyone, you know, like that kind of thing. But it's still not the same as hearing Jesus's parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. You know, that the prodigal son story has so many levels mm. and it's so complex and it's so simple. It's like the perfect short story, you yeah. know, um, it, it can be understood. It sort of takes a it takes a, a side door into our heart. You know what I mean? It kind of touches on family relationships and all that kind of stuff. Um and then, and then it becomes inescapable, and that's the that's the other sort of part that um, I think that when when good art is done or when artists do their work really well, they can touch on on multi layers of of things that are complex, but they and they kind of paint you into a corner and forces you to deal with something, mm. and um, so that's what the inescapable is. You know, it it, it kind of whether it's music or poetry or storytelling or visual art to the, like the, the artist can sort of lure us in through melody or through beauty or through story. Um, and then forces us to respond, you know, and, and it kind of brings us to another place or, or causes us to think in a, in a different way. And it's not just, um, and I think that all sort of good art does this in, in a way, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a famous quote, Leonard Bernstein, um, didn't believe in God. And didn't believe in absolute truth, didn't believe that the universe was held together by an almighty power or that there was order or meaning. He didn't believe in any of that. Nevertheless, he says when he listens to Beethoven's fifth, he um, he says he feels that something is right in the world. There is something that checks throughout, that follows its own law consistently, something we can trust that will never let us down. Wow. Which is pretty powerful. Yeah, and as is. a Christian, I'm saying, well, Leonard, you're you're talking about God. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and he doesn't believe that that's God, but it is, it's like, it's painting him into a corner. It's luring him in through the extraordinary beauty of that piece. And it's forcing him to respond that this is, the the world is not just chaos. Yeah. Because that music exists. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's forcing him to, to wrestle with things, um, which is pretty powerful. Yeah. You know? It's kind of a reminder of like, and you pointed this out at the beginning of God choosing to work through not just like written statutes. I mean, he does right. have those things in, in there at times, but that, you know, Jesus being a storyteller and the, you know, using visual things to, to paint, you know, some kind of inescapable truth. It, right. It's that, I think it's that most of us would say, hey, that's the stuff that tends to hit our soul the deepest. Yeah. And then the, the written stuff can kind of come in. So it's just interesting how there is something to that, the power of a, um, 
how a story or a time in uh, time outside or, or right. seeing a seeing a movie or um, or something like that just can stick with us in a way right. that you're like, well, logically, that doesn't make any sense that it does, yeah. but it just does. You know, and that's the power, and that's the that's the scary part for some Christians too. You know that. That art, that really good art, it does sort of leapfrog over our rational defenses. Yeah. And it can stick in us. And for good or for bad. You know what I mean? Like good art can shape us and it shapes a culture for good and for bad. And it does take a back door or side door or whatever. It, it does It does take sort of secret passageways into our heart. Mm. Um, great music does that. Great music, uh, great movies do that. Great visual art and great imagery can, can do that. And it shapes us in ways. Um and it's in an inescapable way. So that's that's one thing I think that that really good art can do. Another thing um, is that is that great art can broaden our perspective and get us out of ourselves. Hmm. Um, there's a great quote from um, C.S. Lewis from uh, I can't remember. I have it, I have the notes here from an experiment in criticism. And I wrote this uh, this or I copied this quote down. I think this is really um, interesting. C.S. Lewis asks, what then is the good of occupying our hearts with stories that never happened or entering vicariously into feelings we should try to avoid having in our own person? And I'm going to say some more about this, but he's, but he's asking in this question, what, what could possibly be the good of us to sort of of fiction, mm-hmm. of us you know, thinking about stories that never happened or vicariously, like, vicariously um, experiencing emotions that we shouldn't experience, mm-hmm. you know, like envy or anger or like, you know, that, that type of stuff. Like what could be the good of that? And then he goes on, or what's the good of fixing our inner eye earnestly on things that could never exist mm. like fantasy, yeah. you know, the nearest I have yet, the nearest I have yet got to an answer is that we desire an enlargement of our being. We want to see more than ourselves. Each of us by each of us by nature sees the world from one point of view with a perspective and and selectiveness peculiar to him or herself. We want to see with other eyes, to imagine with other imaginations, to feel with other hearts as well as our own. Hmm. That we want to sort of experience the world that's broader than my own perspective. You know, and he goes on in that, um, after, after that quote, to says, you know, like, our personal perspective is important, but to take only that would be to conclude that the that the railroad lines actually touch off in the distance. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. when I stand in the middle of the railroad, it looks like they come to a point. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we know that from other perspectives, we know that that's not true. Right. And so, and and deep down, we know that that my perspective is limited. Yeah. You know, and when you see a great movie, even if it's a painful one, it could be a great movie that you don't enjoy. You know what I mean? Or, right. or something like that. Or you read a book or you see or you experience something that, that allows you, that gives you a broader perspective of the world or culture or it lets you see the world through someone else's eyes. A good example of that for me, recently um, recently I just read A Thousand Splendid Sons by, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, um, Khaled Hosseini. Okay. Um, I think he wrote uh, The Kite Runner as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, it's, it's stories, it's a story of women living in Afghanistan pre 9-11 from the perspective of the women um, and, and their relationships to their husbands and their kids and the Taliban. And it is exceptional storytelling huh. Huh. and beautifully written, but much of the book is heavy and ugly and very difficult to read. 
um, and I'm very glad that I read it. Yeah. You know, and it's and I remember. I mean, right after I said it, I'm just tying into this point. After I read it, I told Kelly that was an important visit for me huh. because um, I, it was it, it drew me in through the beauty of the writing, and I, it made me sort of confront some things. And it let me see the world through someone else's eyes, um, through eyes that I have very little understanding, you yeah. know, of, of women at, at that time um, living lives completely covered, you know, um, and living in, with threat from the Taliban huh. and relationships with their husbands and that kind of stuff and, and trying to deal with sort of domestic issues of food and kids and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it was, um, it was an important visit for me. And it sort of grew my empathy it grew my understanding, like all of that, in a way that um, just a a news report couldn't do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It was it, there had to be beautiful writing, it had to be a good story, and it drew me in for hundreds of pages as I just sort of experienced life through their eyes. Yeah, um, even though it, it's in many ways a very ugly book. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And yeah. so it doesn't. So beauty is not the. Um, is not the only qualifier for yeah. great art, you know, like sometimes it, it just broadens our perspective. Yeah. I would say even like I, this, this is not necessarily, this was a, a beautiful film that I saw, but it was not, it was, it was uncomfortable for me to see was, uh, it was a documentary, uh, the, it was called free solo. It was the one where the guy, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the guy that climbs, uh, El Capitan mm-hmm. and, and all that. And the reason why I'm bringing it up here in the, expanding the perspective side is that um, it, you know, one, it's like, that's a journey of like, you know, you get to see these amazing shots of these cameras where they get it to, but it was also, it was just an interesting, uh, perspective expanding thing for me about fear mm-hmm. and how, uh, this guy, they even studied his brain. Like what would, a, you know, what, yeah. why, how would you be able to do this? Cause if you don't know the story, it's about a guy that climbed up one of the, the tallest cliffs. Uh, in the world, and he did it without any ropes, right. and uh, which is just crazy. Like right. you would, I mean, one uh, as someone described it, it's like you either get the gold medal or you die. Yeah, is kind of what's going yeah. on there. But it's it's a story that stuck with me. And yeah. It's just the power of visual that right. can happen with that. Yeah, that's great. And so, I, and I would say the last thing, and this is harder to detect, you know, on in, on an individual art piece or or movie or something like that. But I think that when that that artists, when they're doing their craft well, they shape culture. Hmm. Um, there does seem to be, I think over time, there does seem to be a cumulative effect of artistic decisions within a culture and the movies that we consume and the books we read and the music we listen to. Um, like if, if in, you know, early 20th century, you tried to pass legislation against domestic violence, you would, it would not have worked. Yeah. You know, um, if you tried to get, you know, the Supreme Court to hear a case regarding same-sex marriage, it wouldn't have worked. You know, something has to happen within a culture over a period of time before legislation happens. This goes back to our conversation that we had with Brad Smith a little bit that, um, you know, I think that that legislation and politics are often downstream of culture and art shapes culture. And the stories that we're telling and the movies that we're we're creating and, um, and supporting and all of that kind of stuff. And um, that, that what we consume sort of has a cumulative effect in culture. And I think that, I think that's one of the reasons why Christians need to be actively engaged and not just in, um, Christian art. You know what I mean? Because I think that's kind of a knee jerk response, um, to say, well, we just need, we just need more Christian art. Um, I think that, uh, you know, kind of going back to, uh, I think there are certain principles that we hold dear, like the the dignity of of human beings, um, 
or, or qualities like um, love and sacrifice and those like there are certain qualities that show up in in a lot of non-christian art you know what i mean that we need to be able to support and that that's shaping the narratives uh, of a culture um and and i would uh, you know I, i'm not a big fan of boycotts um you know of christians you know the, some movie comes out that sort of pushes the boundaries and boycotts just never work you yeah. know artistic boycotts just never never ever work i think we can be and we'll can talk about this in just a minute on what we can do sort of positive going forward um i think we just need to be culture makers in, in a great way and when there are artists that that do sort of they're creating art that that can sort of um earn a seat at the table um among other artists that and they're and they really are shaping culture in a great way um we need to support them whether christians or not you yeah. know um because all truth is god's truth and the stuff that's things that are in the bible that um that we hold dear they're not true because they're in the bible they're in the bible because they're true you know so wow. there's yeah. um there are things that we can support and um so so anyway, I think I think when we when we start sort of with that and instead of saying sort of what is art and say well what is what is it that good artists are sometimes doing well? Um, well, they're 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 dealing with complex things in inescapable ways, and they're and they're shaping culture, and they're giving us a wider perspective. You know, so that that I think that's a, that's at least a little bit helpful for me. Oh, that is helpful, um, but I don't think you answered my question <laughs> either. Um, no, I mean, and, and because but it was helpful. I mean, I'll yeah. give you that. But my question too of like, okay, so I'm a I'm a normal person. At least I think I am. Sometimes yeah. I am. Right. A normal person that, uh, which I'm implying that you're not, yeah. I guess, <laughs> which is kind of rough. Uh, I'm a normal guy that goes into a museum and right. I want to, I know I'm supposed to have a good experience and I feel it that I want to know that I'm appreciating this, but right. I don't know how. Yeah. So help okay. me, help me how, you know, because all that was great, but just give me, okay. what does that actually look like? All right. So first, a little bit of perspective. Um, one is when we when we use the term, like when you go into a museum, oftentimes it's not just unless you're going just into a contemporary art museum or the you know the modern or something like that. That's that's a, a narrow focus. If you're going into um, if you're going into like a, a regular art museum. Um, the, the, when we use the term art history, when you and I, when, when most people in America use the term art history, uh, we have to remember that it is largely ignoring just about all African art, Asian art, Islamic mm. art, and Latin American art. Wow. And really any art that has not directly fed into the art of uh, Western white people. Hmm. And so any of the... Um, and that's important to sort of remember, you know, that a lot of the terms that we think about, that we think are important in art history of... Um, you know, medieval and Renaissance and then, um, you know, all the way up through, you know, the, the Impressionists and the Post-Impressionists or before that, you know, the, the um, and, and Mannerism and, and Baroque and Romanticism and, you know, like all of these sort of like when you go into an art history class and you learn about sort of those things, yeah. that is a fairly narrow slice of human experience huh. um, in art. But we, we talk about it like that is the art history, you know, and everything else is sort of ethnic art. Uh, which is unfair. Yeah. And um, so even for me, and I have a degree in art and I'm an artist and I like conversations about art, I have to admit, you know, but anyone here listening, I know nothing of African art. I don't know anything of Asian art. I don't know anything of, I, I know a little bit of Latin American art. Um, 
and and nothing, absolutely nothing of Islamic art. Hmm. So, and those are, you know, billions of people, you know what I mean? And that is their, their cultural history and, you know, that type of thing. And so um, you don't, it, it's okay to walk into an art museum and feel like you're, you're kind of easily fooled. I am as well, you know, when I walk in, there's a whole lot that I don't know. And so you, you can't walk into an art museum and feel like everyone who's looking at stuff knows something that I don't. <laughs> Even though we all think that. I certainly do. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's something that they, they seem like Yeah, they're... because there are, I mean, there are people that have, like myself, that have devoted decades of my life to art. And there are entire wings of art museums that I know nothing about. And I feel completely lost. And there's also then other artistic forms like uh, in music or poetry that I know nothing about. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that we can feel a little bit of a inferiority complex and walk yeah. into a museum and it makes it feel kind of stupid um, that I just don't know what this is. I don't understand how I, why I'm supposed to appreciate this. Um, it's an opportunity um, to learn something new and to grow and to not feel intimidated, but recognize that even though – that piece of art, you don't quite know why that art is so special. Um, it is that the that the people. I mean, you, there, it takes a little bit of faith um, and trust that the curators of those galleries and and that museum and those collectors and like they they are, they have been knee deep in this for their whole lives. And even if you don't come to the same conclusion. Um, there is a reason why they believe this artist is important in their time. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, and it takes a little bit of humility to say, you know what? I'm going to learn more about this. You know, and you may come to a very different conclusion, but it won't be that. Um, yeah. But but anyway. So that's that's sort of one thing. Um, the second thing I think is important to remember when you go into an art museum, especially when you're when you're talking about visual art, is that. Um, and, and when you're talking about visual art and within Western, like I said before, like Western art history, before the 20th century, there were a lot of um, artistic movements that could kind of mark um, what was happening in culture or could kind of predate what was going to happen in culture. Um, and that's what, you know, Francis uh, Schaeffer's How Shall We Then Live, you know, like he does, you know, a history of Western culture by looking at its art. You yeah. know what I mean? And you can see the progression from medieval art into the Renaissance and into, you know, like all of those things. And so there is sort of a progression that shows up in artistic styles, which if you're into history and if you're into philosophy um, is fascinating. Yeah. You know, that, and that's what Francis Schaeffer did. And um once you get into the post-impressionists and, you know, the impressionism was late 1800s, once you get into 20th century art, essentially, um, there's a, there's a splintering of artistic styles to where there's, there's really not a, a set, like what, what the, what is the style of modern art? And there's no answer for that because it splinters all over the place. Um, and then it continues to splinter even more, you know, as you get into the late 20th century. And then we start talking about postmodern art. Like there is, there is no such thing as a style hmm. that, that defines that. So when you go into a gallery that specializes in contemporary art, you should be, you should expect to not have any idea what you're going to see, <laughs> which is, which is something we can talk about here in just a minute on what that means about what, what yeah. is valuable now yeah. in, in contemporary art. Um, but so I think that that's important. You know what I yeah. mean? As, as you go in and if you go into a museum that you're, you're going to see, once you get into the contemporary wing, you're going to see 
cubism and you're going to see abstract expressionism and you're going to see minimalism and you're going to see just big blotches of color. You know what I mean? It's going to be all over the place. Um, But each one of those artists and each one of those sort of splinter splintering off went that direction for a reason. And they were, you know, responding to other art that they were looking at or they were responding in culture or they were, you know, um, breaking free from certain things. And so, um, so that's helpful to know too, that when when you, cause you can, you can sort of feel like, you know, what you're looking at through historical art and like what, what was valuable, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then you get to contemporary art and you're like, what is happening? What is, what is going on? Where did baby Jesus go? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, like I said just a minute ago, like if you go into a, if you go into a gallery that is that focuses on contemporary art and it's a kind of a high level gallery, um, some of the things that you might tend to see, um, and again, like if it's a gallery, there's some of the galleries that I know here in Dallas that that will do kind of one man shows or you know like that kind of stuff, and from month to month the styles can can change dramatically, you know. Um, and so you can't really say, like I said, like what, what is, what is contemporary art, but some of the things that you might see, um, are just an exploration of materials of using, using materials in ways that people have never used them before, you know, and that, that, that is the thing that that artist in that season, that's what they're exploring. They're just exploring materials and doing things that you've never sort of seen before. And I think that that you've never seen before that is, um, that's not always there, but it's pretty common among like um, it, it probably needs to be something like for something like for contemporary artists to be um, really recognized. They need to be doing things that people haven't done before. Um, and so it could be something through materials. It could be causing the causing the viewer to see something common in a brand new way, mm. you know, that. You know, instead of doing a, you know, a a regular realistic portrait, they're going to do a realistic portrait and they're going to use, you know, popsicle sticks or they're going to use jelly beans or, you know, whatever, you know, like and um, or they're going to they're going to change the materials or they're going to or they're going to take some very, very common object and they're going to put it, you know, under glass and you have to examine it in a new way or, you know, whatever, Um, you know, they might be forcing us to. To, to look at something common in a brand new way or just have an experience that we've never experienced before. You know, maybe it's, it's, you know, an installation piece that causes us to interact with light and shadow in a way that we've never even thought of before, or, you know, something like that. And I think that that, um, that need for, for new experiences to see something new, to experience something new, that need for novelty, um, there's a lot to sort of wrestle with within as a Christian. Um, for me, like when, when you look back through art history and this is one of the things that Schaefer, you know, argued, um, is that artists are kind of the canary in the coal mine a little bit, you know, like they often predate cultural movements Mm -hmm. and the thing, the questions that they're asking, and sometimes they're not like cognizant of these questions that they're asking. They're just wrestling with things and they're approaching things in a certain way they can they can predate where a culture is by anywhere from 20 to 100 years you know um to where culture and that's why a lot of times artists are not recognized until after they're dead yeah you know yeah. that once the culture sort of shows up then they're sort of rediscovered and they you know this artist stopped making art 20 years ago you know whatever um 
I think that within contemporary art uh, right now, the need for novelty um, could be something for us as Christians to sort of watch out for. That if a culture gets to where things are not really worth celebrating unless they're brand new and that we've never experienced before, what does that look like in relationships? What does that look like in cultural, you know, like that, it could be a mess, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, contemporary art could be predating a culture that um, needs everything to be novel huh. and new, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of interesting, you yeah. know, yeah. as you go in and, and sort of, and sort of wrestle with things, but all of that within contemporary art, um, all of that requires some work from the viewer. And I think that that is something that people who are not used to art don't expect. You know, it, it requires some work on the viewer to, to do a little bit of research, to do a little bit of reading, to find out where this artist is coming from, to go to, if it's a contemporary artist that's local and they're doing a gallery talk, to go to their talk. Yeah. And to hear, you know what I mean? It takes a little bit of investment. Um, and sometimes um, certain historical art pieces feel like they don't really require that much. It's like, it's pretty. I like yeah. it. You know, yeah. or, or yeah. whatever. And a lot of times contemporary art, it just, it takes a little bit more. And I would just encourage people to um, anybody, you know, encourage you, Eric, if it's like pick somebody, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's like if it's an artist, you go to a museum, it's like, you know what? I'm I'm not exactly sure why I like this piece, you know, or whatever, but I'm going to do a little research on this artist, yeah. you know, and I'm going to see where they came from and see what other pieces they've done or whatever. That little even if it's not not that deep of a dive, but that little sort of niche dive um, can yield incredible fruit. And just understanding, you know, getting a, a view from another perspective or getting, you know, like that kind of thing and sort of broaden um, um, broaden our understanding a little bit. Yeah, and it makes me feel good that you as an artist still feel the same insecurity of oh, walking yeah. in and where you're like, I don't know. Because I think there is this impression that there are some people that get it and other people that don't. And what I hear you saying is – well, it just depends on the type of art, um, right. and it's too broad to just say you get art and this person doesn't get art. It's like, well, right. no, there's – for even you, uh, depending on the style, the artist, uh, the experience, you have to you have to do legwork as well. So we probably – we if we feel a little stupid, then probably everybody feels stupid right. in it. Um, I also hear what you're saying too that, hey, if I walk into a museum – probably a gut reaction of saying that's a stupid piece of work right. is probably not accurate either. Right. Uh, even if I don't appreciate it, I'm hearing you say, well, there, there was a reason. I mean, out of all the countless uh -huh. amounts of art that can be out there, this made it in here. Uh, right. There's something it is trying to say, and uh, and I can either do the work to understand that more or not. Because, um, I mean, that works with every other field of uh, you know, from someone that loves computers and gaming, it's like, you know, there's obviously a level of complexity that they know that other people don't know that right. you can either choose to engage with or not to appreciate it more or music. Um, yeah. I hear this all the time from people that love um, like sound mixing. There are just yeah. some things that they hear that I don't hear. Right. And um, when they hear a, a particular producer who knows how to frame a song uh, there, I can either do the hard work of saying, hey, Someone said this is a great producer. I want to know why. Yeah. Or I choose not to. But to just dismiss it is probably not a good thing. Yeah. And so that's encouraging to me just that, yeah. uh, that uh, again, even someone that's in the field uh, can feel intimidated at yeah. the same time. And it is – I would say most of the artists that I know, they are trying to, in a, in a weird sort of 
conceptual way, they're trying to actually start a conversation with the viewer. They're not just saying, here it is, Yeah, you know? Um, and so the way that conversation goes is that hopefully there's something in the piece that is intriguing enough for the viewer to want to look at it some more. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. sort of a visual conversation to do a little bit of research, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't know where they're coming from, whatever. You do a little bit of research. You find out. Maybe you look at some other pieces that this that this artist has done or whatever. You appreciate it a little bit more. You ask some more questions, and it's sort of like you're having this sort of conceptual visual dialogue yeah. with this painting. That's what artists want. Yeah. And so it doesn't. As as an artist who has done gallery talks and has talked to you know, it is, it is. And, and so if I shift in this in our conversation to sort of give tips for people on, yeah, on what to that'd do. Be great. When you get a chance to talk with an artist, um, don't feel um, ashamed to ask, tell me, tell me where you're coming from on this, you know, or tell me, you know, what inspired you on this? Yeah. Artists are used to being asked that. Um, they have their answer. If they don't know how to answer that, they're not going to go very far as an artist because yeah. that is part of it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, um, and read the artist statement next to the painting and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Or if it's, um, and another sort of tip that I would say is if there's anything that, that people find intriguing, and I'm a visual artist, and so I can sort of talk about that, but any artistic field that is that sort of um, requires you to explore your edges a little bit, like we all sort of have our area that we feel comfortable and that, you know, this is sort of my comfort zone, um, I just encourage people to live on their edges a little bit. Um, for me, several years ago, that was exploring jazz music. I am not a musician. Um, I am easily fooled when it comes to music, you know, like I, I kind of like what I like, you know, but jazz music specifically, um, I can't tell the difference between really good jazz music and jazz music. That's just okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes, especially if it's like experimental jazz or if it's improvisational jazz of among like really, really high level musicians. And it sounds like as there's four musicians playing four different things at the same time, you know, and it just sounds like chaos to me because I don't have the ear to hear, this melody repeating in different ways and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And so for me, I kind of went on a journey. It's like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm never going to fully appreciate it the way a musician can, but I can grow a little bit in this, yeah. you know, and it was a f- fun six months, you know yeah. what I mean? Of just kind of going to some concerts and, and trying to find artists that I like and trying, you know, that kind of stuff. And so whether it's, um, I'm, and I'm that way with poetry I'm that way with a lot of artistic forms that I just don't understand. Yeah. And so it's not that some people are artistic yeah. and some people aren't. I think that we're all creators yeah. um, and that there is room for us to to sort of explore edges, to broaden ourselves a little bit, to get some different perspectives. And um, and I just encourage people to do that, you know, and if it's within visual art and it's like, what is the deal with minimalism? Why is that, you know, how, how in the world could a plain white canvas hanging in a, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, do some research, you know, because um, you have to kind of be interested in philosophy and history and, you know, all of that. But if you are, it's, it's pretty fascinating, you know, to, to see where these artists are coming from and to, and to, and to see where they think culture is going, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. Well, and there is this like tendency, I think that we all have that the stuff that we are naturally interested in, like we will find the nuance of every single thing of that and then kind of look down on those people that maybe aren't into it. But then we don't realize that, Hey, there's some, there's vast amounts of the world that we don't explore as well. Like I think of wine connoisseurs. It's like, you know, that they know the difference between like you try to compare a $10 bottle of wine with a, you know, hundred dollar bottle of wine. It's like, 
you know, some of us, I would put me in there, would not like. I'm like, well, yeah, I can maybe taste a little bit, but I don't appreciate. Or all you the, could tell that you could tell there's a difference. You can't tell why one's yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, and then all the little hints. But it's like yeah. that's just because they some people have a new like they've really yeah. dug into it or coffee. I know yeah. that's the one for uh-huh. you, um, or good food or um, any number of things that we have. And I think what I hear you saying, which is also really interesting from a cultural perspective too, it's like. None of us want to be that way with the world when it comes to like other people, you know, right. that we don't dismiss whole groups of people like, oh, you know, that, that I just don't like that culture. I don't understand yeah. it. It's like I think we're all called to to expand, a, go bigger than just ourselves, to move beyond our own skin. Yeah. So that can be um, a racial conversation of like, hey, help me understand how you hear this or how you see the world, like you mentioned with that movie. Uh-huh. Um, or it could be around it doesn't have to always be around culture stuff like it can be around like the arts or uh-huh. uh, interests and all that and i think that the healthiest people tend to be those that are okay with they, they don't initially dismiss things right and instead they're kind of always like there is probably something here to be explored mm-hmm. i can't explore everything to the same degree but i could take a look you know yeah. and see what it is and so I just appreciate that yeah. about you. you know? a, a posture of curiosity yes. just goes a long, long yeah. way. Yeah. And and not just sort of defensive, you know, things or, or making quick judgments. Yes. Um it, that just goes a long way. So I would I would encourage folks to do that. Um I would also encourage people just to fan and to flame your own creativity, you know, and just make stuff. And that goes a long way. And it could be, you know, you want to learn how to do French cooking or you wanna, you know, like that. Um that tends to broaden our perspective on a whole lot of things when we're in a creative posture and, and, and we're creating things. And I know for me, like for, and sometimes for, for artists, you know, if you want to learn to draw, um, like taking a class or even I can say, you know, one of the best teachers for me has been, um, actually just trying to reproduce the etchings of Rembrandt, hmm. you know, because um, it's almost that sort of old apprenticeship type type model, you know, um, and sort of learning, trying to get in his brain and, and, and sort of trying to reverse engineer some of these images. Um, but just when we, when we do that and we start making things, um, it does sort of open up ourselves um, a little bit. So, and then the, I think the the last thing I would, to sort of suggest to, to any of our artists, especially with the, within the culture making um, conversation, is to be a patron of the arts. Hmm. And um, please, you know, don't don't expect art to be free. Um, uh, artists don't need exposure. Uh, we think they do. They don't need exposure. They need sales. And um, when we think we're doing an artist a favor by saying, hey, it'll be great exposure, um, that's just taking advantage. We wouldn't yeah. do that with a plumber. Yeah. You know, saying, hey, <laughs> you know, I'll talk about you on Facebook, you know, or whatever. I'll give you great exposure. Yeah. Um, um, they need sales. As and, if our exposure is all that, you know, uh, all that either. valuable. <laughs> right. Is all that valuable. So, you know, I think that being a patron of the arts, um, it just it just means an awful lot yeah. to, to artists that um, are trying their best to make music, to make um, – to, to make visual arts, to make documentary films, to make, you know, like, um, support it, yeah. support it with our money. And, um, because it's the, the, it, it's worth it. So. And to, and to not expect that, I mean, to good art should cost something. It's yeah. costly. It, it took not just the materials to make it, but time and, and all that. So I think yeah. sometimes it, it might be easy to think like, well, you know, why should it cost that much? Yeah. And, so I get, I get asked when I do a, I'll do a painting, um, 
And sometimes people ask, so how long did that take? Yeah. And my standard answer now is like 47 years. Hmm. You know, it's yeah. like it, it took my whole life to, to get to a place to where I could, to where I could make this. And the actual making of that painting maybe took a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's not about that, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm not charging by the hour. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> that's, and so, but that's hard for us, you know, right. to sort of, um, yeah, to sort of grapple with And that. to go like, to go to museums as well and to expand yeah. yourself and, and to, to do that. Well, just thank you for yeah. letting us yeah. into your brain and, uh, and, and talking to us normal people. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. To, yeah, <laughs> normal people. Yeah, that's right. Um, but with that, I just want to thank you for listening as well to this conversation. And, and like Greg said, it just uh, I think part of this podcast is to create spaces where uh, we can have some conversation we wouldn't normally have and to maybe think a little bit bigger than how we normally do about things like like even the arts. And so thanks for uh, listening to the Page 2 podcast. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you. So you can leave a comment on our Facebook page or on our website, page2podcast.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and how things are going. And as always, we'd like to thank uh, the generosity of the Center for Church Renewal for letting us use their recording space. Uh, thanks, and we'll, uh, we'll hear from you soon. Take care.